Hello once more, Star Trek sci-fi and geeks everywhere. This is Rico, and this is Treks in Sci-Fi, podcast number 109 for March the 18th, 2007. Well, I hope uh, those out there that celebrated had a happy St. Paddy's Day. And uh, we're going to do a, uh, a return to classic Trek this week, a look at the classic episode, A Piece of the Action which uh, is from the second season of the original series, along with some news, information, a collectible, and other sci-fi and Trek goodness. So stand by. Here we go. Treks in sci-fi. Once more again, this is Rico, and welcome to the show. Going to uh, have a, uh, what I like to say, back-to-basics kind of podcast this week. The last couple of uh, podcasts that I've done, last week with the Skype call and the week before about comic books, haven't uh, haven't done one of our kind of classic shows where I review an episode or look at and discuss a, a Star Trek episode from the past, which is what we're going to do this week, and have a collectible towards the end of the show, have a couple of listener calls to play and get back to uh, what uh, what I enjoy, I think, most of all about doing this show is kind of re- revisiting older uh, Star Trek episodes, some of them uh, quite a bit older. This one's going to you know, be about 40 years old, which is uh, the classic second season episode, A Piece of the Action. Of course, uh, you know, this is the uh, episode where uh, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, especially Kirk and Spock, get to act kind of like... Uh, 1940s gangsters, 1930s, 40s gangsters in the Chicago time area or era, I should say. So it'll be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but before we get started, uh, just a couple of announcements and other little tidbits of information. As always, uh, for you that like to get in touch with me on the show, you can always email at treksf at gmail.com. I'd also appreciate if you go to the website treksf.com or treksinsci-fi.com. Uh, pop a little vote over on Podcast Alley for the month of March if you enjoy the podcast. I always appreciate that. So that's uh, I guess that's the main announcements. Oh, I also wanted to mention I just saw this morning for those that listen to this podcast, and I know there are several that also listen and watch uh, Scott Johnson's very funny Extra Life show uh, that comes out about midweek each week. But he does another little segment called Extra Life TV, and I did a little intro for his most recent episode uh, where I was, uh, well, let's just say I was acting a little nerdy geeky in front of a Star Trek panel that I built years ago. So check out uh, that video at Extra Life TV. Just go to myextralife.com. You should be able to find it in his blog there. I want to say that uh, last weekend uh, I took my son to see the movie 300. I just have to talk briefly about this movie. Uh, I thought it was just uh, amazing. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, the action, the look of the film, the acting, everything was just top-notch. Uh, they really got a great cast, a great actor playing uh, the King Leonides. Leonides. Uh, he just does a great job. You know, this is a story of the Greeks 
uh, the Spartans uh, trying to hold back the invasion of the Persians into their uh, country, and it uh, it really was inspiring. I, I, I really felt like, you know, the, the movie, the title 300, is basically because there are these 300 Spartans, uh, very disciplined, very highly trained soldiers, that are trying to hold back this this huge invasion and uh, and their you know the courage and and just their they won't give up they won't surrender i don't want to give too much away most of this is you can see in the previews and most of the the basics of the story people know uh but if you're uh if you're interested in that want to see a very visually stunning movie you know go check out 300 uh i do want to say it is rated r and it's rated r for good reasons there's uh it's a movie with a huge amount of violence. Um, there's also some brief nudity here and there, but uh, it, you know, for teenagers and high schoolers and up, I think it's a it's a really good movie and a lot of fun to see. I don't know if fun's the right word for it. I just found it uh, very impressive, and I think it's a movie that for years is going to be looked at as sort of a uh, kind of a turning point. You know, they've been doing a lot of these movies more with more and more computer graphics, but. When they use it in this kind of a film, I think it really is used well. It's not just uh, for the the effect of it. It's, it fits the piece well. It was based on a Frank Miller. I mean, the story is uh, a, a true story in, in reality. This happened hundreds of years ago, but the, the basis of the movie and the look of it was based on a Frank Miller uh, graphic novel that he did a, a years ago. So he was always very uh, interested in this tale of these Spartans holding back the Persians and he did a graphic novel, and they kept a lot of the look of the novel, the graphic book that he uh, drew for the film. So go check out 300, still, uh, and should be for a while playing in theaters. Also in IMAX, which would be amazing to see. Rico has the best sci-fi and Star Trek information on the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Uh, on to some of the news segments, things floating around the internet. Uh, just going to talk about some general sci-fi news and some Star Trek news kind of all at once this week. Uh, big uh, kind of a, I guess it's sort of sci-fi, but for the next Indiana Jones film, uh, they've uh, they've cast the female, I guess she's going to be the female lead, uh, kind of starring along Harrison Ford in the next Indiana Jones movie, and that's Kate Blanchett, uh, who's uh, you know very well known. She was in that movie ba- Babel. Uh, recently, she was in the Lord of the Rings films uh, as a, a, one of the high elves in the in that movie series. Uh, excuse me, but uh, she's going to be playing uh, with uh, Harrison Ford in the next Indiana Jones movie. I'm not sure if it's supposed to be a romantic uh, part. They haven't really discussed exactly what part she's playing in the film. Of course, she's she's a lot younger than Harrison Ford by about 30 years, approximately. So it, it's. I don't know. I, I I'm going to reserve judgment. Uh, I I hope it's not really a romantic, uh, you know, connection there between her and Indy. It, it just seems like you know anymore. Hollywood seems to always want to put a, uh, a much older actor with a younger woman. Uh, for some reason, they can't find somebody that's a little closer to their age that they think they could be romantically involved with. And I, I don't know. I kind of uh, I don't really like that idea. It just seems like it's it's become commonplace to do that and. I hope uh, they do it well in this movie. I, I don't know. We'll have to see what it all works out to be, what the connection is between the two of them. Maybe she's just another like archaeologist adventurer like Indiana Jones. Maybe they kind of go on this little uh, mission together or whatever you want to call it. We'll have to wait and see, but Kate Blanchett's going to be in Indiana Jones 4. 
Not a huge amount of news on the Star Trek front this week. A few things. Uh, Linda Park is uh, also, she's co-starring in this new TV series, Reigns, with Jeff Goldblum, where he kind of sees ghosts and things, and he's a detective. It just premiered this past week. Uh, I haven't watched the first episode yet. I've got it on my TiVo, so i got to check that out in the next day or two. Uh, I've heard it's uh, it's pretty good so far that I've the some of the reviews of it that I've heard. So she's on that show. Oh, and the other bit of uh, information on Star Trek: it seems the on iTunes that both the original series iTunes episodes of Star Trek and uh, Enterprise have been um, removed from iTunes for some reason. All I'm li- hearing so far and could find at StarTrek.com is it was for technical reasons. Uh, there's been a few uh, rumors and discussions that it may have to do with the mix on the original series of these enhanced new episodes and the original versions may be causing some conflict and and maybe people aren't sure what they're buying when they buy the episodes of iTunes. I, of course, have these episodes on DVD. I find it, uh, you know, it's, it's much better for me at least to, to have them that way. I think it's a little cheaper in the long run. And you can always uh, convert DVDs over and put them on your iPod anyway, so... But that's, uh, I, I'm sure that hopefully soon the movies are still up on iTunes, and I'm sure the rest of the episodes from uh, Star Trek and the other series even will eventually end up there as well, since it's a very popular service. And that's about all the news I really wanted to cover, the big stories. Uh, Celebration 4 uh, for Star Wars, the convention at the end of June, continues to make announcements. Some of the uh, exclusive collectibles are being announced, which can all be found online. Uh, Sideshow Toys, for example, has announced their... C4 uh, lineup uh, of collectibles exclusive for the conventions. You know, I kind of have a mixed mixed feelings about when they do those kinds of things. Uh, you know, convention only exclusives. It's it's very hard for a lot of people to travel to these things, and it, it's kind of a little uh, disappointing when the only way to get certain collectibles is that way. So anyway, uh, you can always check that stuff out at, online. Uh, you, usually, the Force.net is a pretty good place for that kind of information along with Star Wars Action News, which is a great podcast about Star Wars collectibles and collecting. So with all that, we're going to switch from news and get into our Star Trek episode for this week, A Piece of the Action. And here is the preview uh, clip, the audio clip for A Piece of the Action. Listen to this, and I'll be right back to get into the show. Ship's log, Mr. Spock reporting. Dr. McCoy and I are prisoners of the chief criminal boss of a society patterned after old Earth gangsters. Put your hands over your head. Well, you ain't gonna have no head to put your hands over. You wanna live, don't you, Kirk? You bet you do. But after I get through with you... I don't have those tools by then. I'm gonna call up your ship and have them pick you up in a box. Kinda like this. I'm gonna get one myself. Wait a moment. What have they done? What have they done to you? What have they done? Okay, Pally, we're going for a ride. Okay, there you have the uh, one minute or so preview for the episode from the second season of the original series, A Piece of the Action. This, of course, is a, is quite a humorous episode, uh, maybe more intentionally than any other original series Star Trek episode. This is the episode where Kirk, Spock, and McCoy are on a planet uh, that is basically 
patterning itself off of uh, the old gangsters of Chicago in that era. They go to this planet called Iosha, and they have uh, the basically the civil, civilization. I can't talk this morning. The civilization has been contaminated because of a book that another starship, uh, the Horizon, had left there about a hundred years previously. A book about old-style Earth uh, gangsters from Chicago, and this book, it, it, basically, these Iotians are, are very imitative uh, people, and they sort of pattern their whole society off of these. Uh, this book that's left by uh, the crew of the Horizon which uh, makes for some interesting things. They obviously were able to use some backlot sets uh, set in this time frame uh, in the studio at Desilu and all that so they could uh, use some costumes from the, that they would have around. So it, it allowed the, uh, the crew of the Enterprise to be sort of a, a fish-out-of-water water, uh, situation. Ah, excuse me, can't talk. Which, this happened uh, quite a bit in the second season of Star Trek. They did the whole episode Bread and Circuses, where they were uh, part of the uh, Roman-type empire and, and that, and they were gladiators. And and then there was a, a, quite a few of them on a primitive planet where they were, uh, you know, trying to, you know, kind of put themselves between two warring sides. And that's what happens in this episode a little bit, too, between the two big crime bo- bosses uh, of the Ioceans, Oxmix and Krakow, Jojo Krakow. So... Before we get into the details of this, I'll just say this uh, episode, second season, it was written by a guy named David Harmon and Gene Kuhn, who was one of the producers on Trek, and it was by a story by David Harmon. There's uh, the notable guest star I, I you find in this is the guy who plays uh, Jojo Krakow, is played by Vic Tabeck, uh, who went on to his biggest role was probably Mel uh, on this TV show Alice, uh, which he was running like a diner there on that show, for those that don't know which was, I think that show was around in the 1970s, was on mainly. So uh, there are other people that you'll notice in this. The guy who plays Ox Mix uh, is also somebody that was in a lot of uh, you know old gangster movies and TV shows. His, uh, the actor's name is Anthony Caruso, who plays Bella Ox Mix. Does a great job. It's uh, you know, very uh, almost typecasting a little bit for some of these crime bosses on uh, the planet that they run into. So let's get into the the episode uh, in, in detail. Uh, I decided this week it was kind of a tough call. I really was thinking about doing a whole, you know, play the episode while I comment on it. But I've done that, I think, the last few times, so I decided to do a clip-type show this week, even though there are a lot of funny bits in this episode, and I hope I captured all of them, especially the classic Fizbin card game that uh, Kirk invents to get away from some guys at, at one point, which we'll get to in a couple of minutes. So to start off with, you're on the bridge of the Enterprise and Kirk is explaining to Spock and McCoy uh, what's going on. And uh, well, we'll just play the opening here scene for you now. Spock, McCoy, we're beaming down. Standard equipment. The Horizon's contact came before the non-interference directive went into effect. They must have interfered with the normal evolution of the planet. It will be interesting to see the results of the contamination. Well, we don't know there is contamination. The evidence is only circumstantial. Well, what was the state of the Iocean culture before the horizon came? The beginnings of industrialization. Horizon reports indicate the Iocians are extremely intelligent and somewhat imitative. So we're going down to recontaminate them. If the damage has been done, Doctor, we are here to repair it. Let's not argue about it. Let's go study it. 
So they're about to beam down there. Uh, one of the things I found when I was uh, researching and looking back at this episode a little bit was that the original storyline uh, was kind of similar, but there was a pretty big difference in that the Romulans were involved in the original storyline. Basically what it was, there was a planet, uh, this Iosha planet that they go down to with the Iotians, uh, that the Romulans and the Federation, you know, Kirk uh, and the Enterprise show up at, and they're both sort of trying to, uh, you know, form an alliance or, or you know, have this planet uh, hook up with one side or the other. The Romulans are there trying to uh, get them to come to their side, and the Enterprise is there trying to get them to come to the Federation side, and different things happen, but the Romulan involvement uh, was taken out of the story, which I think it, it was a good idea. I think it would have complicated it. And it certainly wouldn't have been this sort of burlesque-like, humorous episode that it turned out to be with, uh, you know, that they were able to play all these different comedy elements with just the crew of the Enterprise. With the Romulans there, it would have been a little more dramatic and there would have been a little bit more of a danger element. Even though there are different times in this episode where Kirk, Spock, McCoy are being captured and threatened at gunpoint uh, with the heaters, as they're called in this episode, you never really sense that the the crew is any in any real danger. These guys are kind of clowns. They're gangsters. You know this this is the uh, you know a starship. This is Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. If they can't handle uh, you know criminals, in essence, uh, you know they they wouldn't be out in the in you know in space on the Enterprise. So anyway, uh, so that was an interesting uh, element. I thought that they decided to, to take out was the whole Romulan situation and their connection here. The next clip, this is after they've been, uh, they beam down, they're taking capture, they're captured, uh, the three of them are captured by uh, Bella's men on the street, and they're trying to figure out kind of what's going on. Everyone's carrying guns on this planet. What's the deal? So here's the next clip. What's this? That's a weapon. Uh, be careful of that. A heater, huh? Hey, the boss will love that. Now look, we were asked to come down here by uh, Mr. Oxmix. He said... I know what he said, bud. He said some of the boys would meet you. Okay, we're meeting you. Well, those firearms are not necessary. You trying to make trouble? Who? Me? Don't give me those baby blue eyes. What? I don't go for that innocent routine. Sir, does everyone here carry firearms? I never heard such stupid questions in my life. Well, since this Oxmix asked us down here, don't you think we should see him? All right. Get moving. Down the street. I love how uh, they're such fish out of water, uh, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy in this situation. You know, they don't know what to make of it. Uh, McCoy, they're always very straightforward, and these guys holding guns on them, they don't quite get it. And It's pretty funny stuff. One thing I was going to say is, for those out there, and probably there's a lot of people listening to the podcast that have seen the the original series Star Trek bloopers that are uh, out all about, and you could probably find them, search uh, Star Trek bloopers on YouTube, you'll be able to find these things. But there are a lot of clips for in the blooper reel that happened uh, during this episode. Uh, there's a couple of scenes where uh, one of uh, Bella's men is tossing the communicator and phaser to him, and the, the communicator kind of flips open when he tosses it, and it kind of fumbles in the air, and and the different, you know, scenes in this uh, episode, it was obvious from seeing the bloopers that they had a lot of fun when they did this episode. It really comes through because they, they made so many little goof-ups in the blooper reel that, that ended up being saved there, which it, it's, uh, those, you can always tell when they've had a fun time in an episode when there are a lot of bloopers from it, I think, uh, whether it's uh, this episode or any other, so. 
We'll go on to uh, the next clip. Is this is the this is a scene in Bella's office where they discover what the contamination source is. Why why is everybody on this planet acting like a bunch of nineteen forty fifties thirties whatever gangster or I guess thirties and forties primarily? Why are they acting like a bunch of old Earth gangsters? So here's uh, the discovery of the book. Gangsters, Chicago, mobs. Published in 1992. Where'd you get this? Hey, wait a minute. That's the book. I know, it's a book. The book. They left it. The other ship, the Horizon. This is the contamination, Captain. Astonishing. An entire culture based on this. You said they were imitative in the book. I don't want any more cracks about the book. Did they leave any other books? Yeah, sure. Some textbooks on how to make radio sets and stuff like that, but... Look, I brought you down here so you could help me, not for you to ask me questions. After that, I'll answer anything you want to know. What is it you want? Well, I was thinking. You feds must have made a lot of improvements since that other ship came here. You probably got all kinds of fancy heaters up there. Yeah, it's funny how uh, they get the lingo going in this episode so well. They got heaters for phasers, the feds or the federation. It, it's a lot of fun how they use different terminology, uh, you know, a flop. Uh, Kirk even, I think, pulls out a few terms that he learned from uh, back in the episode when they went back uh, to 1930s Earth and City on the Edge of Forever. Uh, the blower is a phone, uh, lots of different fun stuff like that. And it really uh, really makes this episode a lot of fun to watch. This, to me, is a piece of the action is the kind of episode I think uh, even non-Trek fans can enjoy. It's not a real serious episode. It doesn't have a lot of, uh, you know, techno babble or strange uh, space creatures out there or anything like that. It's, it's a pretty straightforward little romp that they get to have uh, on this planet and... In Kirk, uh, in, in, it's a very Kirk-styled episode when the way he solves everything. He kind of says, you know, almost went in Rome, and he starts to join in, and, and he, he realizes that reasoning with these guys won't exactly work. He's got to play along, sort of, and it really allows, uh, you know, Shatner gets to really ham it up a lot in this episode, and a lot of fun to see. The next uh, clip, uh, also another uh, person that gets to enjoy this, and he gets to play sort of uh, the straight guy a little bit, is Scotty. Scotty is uh, a few times is called upon, uh, and Kirk talks to him, and, and one of the crime bosses here in this scene, Bella Oxmix, does. And Scotty just doesn't know what to make out of this uh, gangster talk. So listen to this clip. Hey, you and the chef. Scott here. Who's this? Uh. This is Bella Oxmix. I got your captain and his friends down here. If you want to see them alive again, you'll send me down a hundred of these fancy heaters you got and some troops to show me how to use them. Am I to understand that you're holding the captain and his party? You heard right, pal. I'm going to give you just eight hours to get me the goods I want. Or I put the hit on your friends. You understand? I don't know. <laughs> Lieutenant Hadley, check the language banks and find out what a heater is. 
Yeah, Scotty gets uh, gets a lot of stuff in this episode to do. Uh, one one clip I, I forgot to collect it and didn't. I kind of missed that part. Was when he this is getting in the future part of the episode, but he, they they bring one of the bosses up to the Enterprise in the transporter room, and Scotty says something like, uh, "You'll you'll be wearing cement uh, overshoes," and and the guy says, "Oh, you mean concrete galoshes." It's a good part. I wish I would have grabbed that clip. I forgot to get that one. There's so many good parts in this. Again, like I said uh, at the beginning, I, I, I might have. Uh, I was very tempted to just play the whole episode and comment as we went, but just thought we'd uh, do a change of pace and just do a clip type show. The next uh, section of this episode is is probably my favorite part, and I'll give you a little uh, a little bit of a uh, a tangent, not really a tangent, but anyway, the next clip is where they uh, are being held. Uh, uh, yeah, at gunpoint in a room by Bella's guys and uh, Kirk and Spock and McCoy have to figure out a way out of there. And Kirk invents the game, the classic Star Trek game of uh, card game Fizzbin. And I want to say that uh, years and years ago, one of the earliest uh, mail order uh, Star Trek collectible places run by uh, Major uh, Barrett Roddenberry, uh, she uh, they offered a, a little uh, sort of printed out, hand-printed, well, not hand-printed, I guess, but just a Xerox little copy of rules for uh, playing the game of Fizzbin. And I actually, <laughs> uh, a few times I got uh, my brother or some friends, and we tried to actually sit down they, uh, and play a game of Fizzbin, which let, let's just say it didn't work that well. It's not a, a, a real game, I mean, per se. I, I just, uh, we, we'd get together and have card games occasionally with my friends. We'd play a little poker or something like that, and I'd I'd say, hey, let's all play Fizzbin, and I try to play this game, and it just it, it's pretty uh, it's pretty silly, really. But it was kind of fun at the time, so just had to throw that in. And somewhere, maybe in deep in a box somewhere in my house, I, I still have that little uh, printed off just Xerox copy of the Fizzbin rules. So I'm sure actually that you could probably even find them online these days. You know, everything's on the internet, which makes things so much easier and nicer. So. Anyway, here's the. Uh, this one's about two minutes long. Here's the clip of the classic Fizzbin game with Kirk uh, trying to explain how to play this fictitious game to these uh, gangsters. Here you go. On uh, Beta Antares 4, they play a real game. It's a man's game, but of course, probably a little beyond you. It requires intelligence. Listen, Kirk, I can play anything you can figure out. Take the cards, big man. Show us how it's played. I'm familiar with the culture on Bed Antares. I don't know of any game. Of course, the uh, cards on uh, Beta Antares 4 are different, but not too different. Uh, the name of the game is called uh, Fizzbin. 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 It's uh, not too difficult. Mm-hmm. Each player gets six cards, except for the dealer, uh, the player on the dealer's right, who uh, gets seven. On the right. Yes. The second card is turned up, except on Tuesday. On Tuesday? Mm-hmm. Oh, look what you've got, two jacks. you got a half Fizzbin already. <laughs> I need another jack. No, no, if you got another jack, why, you'd have uh, a shrunk. A shrunk? Yes, you'd be disqualified. Oh. No, what you need now is either a king and a deuce, except at night, of course, when you'd need a queen and a, and a four. Except at night. Right. Oh, look at that. You got another <laughs> jack. How lucky you are. How wonderful for you. Now, if you didn't get another jack, if you had gotten a king, 
why then you'd get another card, except when it's dark, when you'd have to give it back. If it were dark on Tuesday. Yes, but what you're after is a royal fisman, but the odds in getting a royal fisman are astron... Spock, what are the odds in getting a royal fisman? I've never computed them, Captain. Well, they're astronomical, believe me. Now, for the last card, we'll call it a cronk. You got that? What? Oh, I'll get it. Yeah, just just great, uh, great clip there. Uh, great job by William Shatner in that scene, playing Fizbin with uh, Bella's guys. Really, really funny stuff. Uh, you know, it's how, every time I see that, it's funny because of the, you know, at first he says, uh, you know, if you get another jack, uh, you'd be disqualified. And then, of course, the guy gets another jack, but he doesn't get disqualified. He, they continue on. It's just he, he's confusing them. He's trying to catch them off guard, and then he eventually, you know, throws the card to the ground. And and then they get a, a drop on these guys and take them out and get away. But a lot of a lot of fun. Fizbin always good. You, you can always tell if somebody's a, a real Star Trek fan if they know what Fizbin is. If you want to really test them out, ask uh, ask them what it is. And, and if they can tell you, they know Star Trek and they know the original series. So I think that's a lot of fun. They should create like a playing dart, a playing card deck, you know, with a Fizbin logo or something on the back of it. Oh. Just gave away a million-dollar idea there on the podcast. Anyway, uh, the the next clip here, the next clip is uh, Spock is uh, with Oxmix, and Kirk has been taken by Krakow. Kirk gets away. Uh, he's uh, He gets a drop on the guards, and he, he actually is able to slip out and gets back to Oxmix's place. He sent McCoy and Spock back to the ship, and now Spock being back down. And, uh, well, let me play the clip for you, and you'll figure out what's going on. Got many more of these. I won't need your cooperation. Mr. Oxmix, I understood we had an arrangement. A truce. I was hoping you'd think that, dummy. We're trying to help you, Oxmix. Nobody helps nobody but himself. Sir, you are employing a double negative. Huh? I fail to see why you do not understand us. You yourself have stated the need for unity of authority on this planet. We agree. Yeah, but I gotta be the unity. Cooperation, sir, would inevitably result... The most cooperative man in this world is a dead man. And if you don't keep your mouth shut, you're going to be cooperating. Off the guns. Drop them. Move down there. Hey, Captain, you got away from Krakow. You know that ain't easy. I thought you were supposed to report to the ship, Mr. Spock. We did, Captain. The situation required our return. It may be just as well. Yeah, they're, uh, you know, Kirk in this at this point is slowly getting into that he can't really reason with these guys, and he's got to use a little force, he's got to use a little Federation muscle, and and it's the only way these guys will listen. That's, uh, you know, when you're in a certain situation and a, and a certain culture that they respond to a certain way. They've read the book, and they're gangsters. you got to be like a gangster to uh, to get their attention. The next, uh, next clip that I've got for you is another one of the, you know, really funny uh, best parts of this episode, I think. And this is the scene where uh, Kirk tries to drive a car. It's like the only time in Star Trek history, basically, where any of the uh, original series uh, episodes where they were able or went down to some planet and tried to uh, use any kind of motorized vehicle in any fashion. And uh, it's pretty funny. Uh, it, it kind of actually surprises me how easily, you know, they're supposed to be 300 years in the future how easily they were uh, they were able to to um, 
to pick up how to drive a car, it's uh, it's a little surprising. But, you know, it's uh, maybe not too much, I guess. So here's Kirk and Spock in the front seat of an old automobile trying to drive, uh, or Kirk's trying to drive here. Listen in. Wheels, Mr. Spock. A flipper. Yep. Key in the ignition. Turn the ignition on. And nothing happens. Where's the starter? There's the starter. Yeah. Interesting. Oops. Gears. Yes. Oh, I believe they had a device known as a, a, a clutch. Clutch, Captain. Perhaps one of those pedals on the floor. I kind of like this. I'm going to get one myself. Ah, yes. Funny, funny stuff. Kirk and Spock in a car, driving along, dressed up as gangsters. It's uh, good stuff. Uh, it's, they look really good. The um, They did, uh, years ago, they did a special uh, action figure, I guess you call it, uh, set. Uh, I'm trying to remember who was making them at the time. Playmates, I think. Uh, was uh, the Star Trek license holder, and I think you can still find them on eBay. They were the 8-inch, 9-inch doll type size figure. They did uh, Kirk and Spock in their gangster outfits from uh, a piece of the action. A uh, really cool little set of uh, of uh, action figures from Star Trek. Take a look on eBay if you're interested. They were rather uh, a little bit rare and a little bit expensive, I know, when they first came out. I, I never managed a set of those. I got a set from, they did a similar set like that, in the outfits they wore on of the in the episode City on the Edge of Forever, but I didn't ever get the uh, the piece of the action set. So let's move on. The next clip, this one I really like as well. It's it's the clip with the small boy, uh, which gets to he gets to actually name the episode in a way in this epi- in this scene of the episode. Uh, they talk about a piece of the action in this one. A uh, good name for the episode. I always liked uh, in Star Trek when they were able to work the the titles of the episodes into the episode itself to have somebody actually speak the whole title or speak part of it i always thought that was kind of a cool thing they didn't always do it but occasionally they were able to do it so here is the clip with the kid and kirk and spock uh trying to figure out how to uh get into a certain place that they need to uh i think it's krakow's place that they're uh, getting into at this time it's a hit ain't it i beg your pardon you're gonna hit somebody can i watch Young man, run along and play. Where'd you get them ears? Young man. You're gonna hit Crackle? Out here? You open up and you'll be scrapped from every window on the street. I can fix it for you. Young man, this is likely to be quite hazardous. If I were not you... Out of the mouth of babes. Who are you calling a babe? I'm calling you a babe. You calling me a babe? Yeah, I'm calling... I'm calling you a babe, but there's nothing personal. Sit down. You know a way we could get close to them? Sure. How? What's in it for me? What do you want? A piece of the action. You do not even know what the action is going to be. I figure it's got to be a thick percentage or you wouldn't be trying to hit Crackle. Logical. All right, young man, we'll guarantee you a piece of the action if we can pull this thing off. Is that a contract? Done. Another good scene there. With the kid and Kirk and Spock. I like his uh, crack about Spock's ears. Where'd you get those ears? It's pretty funny. I like it. Uh, even though they are wearing hats, it's easy to see Mr. Spock's ears anyway. So 
the the last couple of clips we've got like three left and then i'm gonna have some uh listener comments of course with our the the father and son moyer review of this episode uh looking forward to that the next one though this is where kirk gets starts to really get into the style of this uh this planet and talks about the federation taking over the you know taking over the planet so uh listen to this all right crackle we don't have time to show you how to play with toys toys what do you think we're here for you got a cut of your deal? Forget it. That's peanuts to an outfit like the uh, Federation. Right? Unquestionably. Right? Right. Now, look, Cracker, we're taking over the uh, whole ball of wax. And you cooperate with us, and uh, maybe we'll cut you in for a piece of the action. A minuscule, a very small piece. How much is that? That's, um, we'll figure it out later. Thought you guys had laws. No interference. Who's interfering? We're taking over. Check. Right. The, uh, planet is being taken over by the Federation, but we don't want to come in here and, uh, use our muscle. You know what I mean? Uh, that ain't, uh, subtle. So what we do is we... We help one guy take over the planet, he pulls the strings, and then we pull his. <laughs> I've got to mention the the thing that goes on in this episode that happens in a, a few original series episodes is the whole uh, Prime Directive uh, and Kirk sort of pushing that aside a little bit. And I think it's with uh, good reason. I mean, th- this planet's already been messed up. You know, there's it's not running the way it should, so Kirk decides, well, if... if you know the the damage has already been done. He's trying to fix it, and there's really the only way to fix it is to interfere again, and that happens several times in Star Trek. And I, I think uh, it's you've got to kind of accept that a little bit, and it makes sense to me. Uh, it's there's, it's one thing to have a non-interference directive, and if never there's been any interference that have, has happened, that's okay. But and of course this happens in other episodes where there really wasn't a lot of interference, but. Kirk just decides for him, you know, for the best, uh, you know, a little bit for the best for the planet to interfere. Uh, but this one, I think he's got good justification for what they do. It's uh, the planet's messed up. There's gangsters running around, hits taking place, people dying. So it, we, they need to uh, stop it, and uh, they decide a, a bigger, even bigger boss is is the way to do that. So there's uh, two more clips. This next one is just towards the very end of the episode where uh, Kirk is telling Oxmix and everyone about uh, his plan for the Federation takeover and uh, basically figures that there, if there's somebody even higher up in charge, he can control what's going on and the Federation can can put a stop to some of this uh, violence. So here's this clip. Jim. Knock it off, Subhomes. I want to talk to this creep. Now listen, I'm getting tired of playing pancake with you penny ante operators. What do you mean, a penny ante operator? You're a penny ante operator. Sit down. All right, Spocko, cover him. Now listen, sweetheart, the Federation's moving in. We're taking over. You play ball, we'll cut you in for a piece of the pie. You don't, you're out. All the way out, you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Why didn't you say so in the first place? All you had to do was explain it to me. Kirk Enterprise. Enterprise, Scott here, sir. You got crack on ice? Aye, he's here. Mad enough to chew neutronium, but behaving himself. Okay, baby, cool him until I flag him. Flag me? Keep him there until I send for him. 
We're gonna make some old-style phone calls from this locale. So you, uh, locate the man on the other end of the blower and give him a ride to this flop. What? Find the man at the other end of the phone and transport him to these coordinates. Can't do, sweetheart. Can do, Captain. Standing by. Ah, Scotty, it's always fun uh, trying to figure out this uh, lingo that he had to do in the episode. Yeah, really a great, uh, great uh, scene and great scenes overall. This one is just chock full of them. Probably should have just uh, reviewed the whole thing while it was playing, but another time perhaps. Well, one last scene. This one, kind of interesting little tag at the end of this episode where uh, McCoy announces that he's left his communicator behind on the planet. And, of course, they're concerned because the Iotians are, are very uh, quick to learn and are very imitative and, and learn a lot from just, you know, looking at a book or, or obviously being able to take a communicator apart. And I seem to recall an old short story collection of Star Trek uh, stories uh, that were put out in the New Voyages, maybe, line that they did uh, in a book form where somebody had taken the idea from this episode and said the Iotians in, you know, 100 years or whatever have developed uh, quite advanced technology from leaving this communicator behind. Pretty funny uh, and interesting tale. So that's out there somewhere, just not sure exactly where it is. Fan, Kind of fan fiction in a way, but I think it was published in a, like I said, a Star Trek short story collection. So listen to the last clip from the episode. This is on the bridge, back with Kirk, Spock, and McCoy talking about the, what's gone on on the planet and the results of their tampering. So here you go. I understand that. You don't think it's logical to leave a criminal organization in charge. Highly irregular, to say the least, Captain. I'm also curious as to how you propose to explain to Starfleet Command that a starship will be sent each year to collect our cut. Yes, that's a very good question, Mr. Spock. I propose that our cut be put into the planetary treasury and used to guide the Ioceans into a more ethical system, despite themselves. They'll be forced to accept conventional responsibilities. Isn't that logical? All right, Bones, in the language of the planet, what's your beef? Well, I don't know how serious this is, Jim. And I don't quite know how to tell you. Well, go ahead. But in all the confusion, yeah. I... Tell me. I think I left it in Bella's office. You left it? Somewhere. I'm not certain. You're not certain of what? I left my communicator. In Bella's office? Captain, if the Ioceans, who are very bright and imitative people, should take that communicator apart... They will, they will, and they'll find out how the translator works. The translator is the basis for every important piece of equipment that we have. have. You really think it's that serious? Serious. Serious, Bones. It upsets the whole percentage. How do you mean? Well, in a few years, the Ioceans may demand a piece of our action. Well, there you have our look at a piece of the action. It's a great episode, second season, TOS, a lot of fun, a lot of really uh, fun classic Star Trek moments from this episode. Kirk and Kirk Spock, McCoy as a gangsters, especially Kirk and Spock, uh, a lot of uh, interesting things, a lot of good dialogue. Really, really enjoy this one. And uh, with that, I'm going to play a, I got a couple of uh, listener comments and calls here to play. 
First one comes from uh, Sean, who has a very short comment on the episode. I'll play his, and I will be back after that. Greetings, Trex and Sci-Fi listeners. This is Movie Sean from the forums. The episode, A Piece of the Action, is my favorite episode of the original series. To me, it's typical of what the series is about, which is visiting a different civilization each week and leaving it better than when the crew arrived. What sets this apart from other episodes like it is how Kirk and Spock immerse themselves into the gangster world. Proof of why this episode is so great, what Star Trek fan hasn't tried to figure out the rules to Fizzbin on more than one occasion? Well, thanks a lot, Sean. I really appreciate it. Sean was uh, kind enough uh, a couple weeks back to send me a Spider-Man 3 poster. Thanks a lot again for that, Sean. really like it. And thanks for your little your uh, review and comments on a piece of the action. Yeah, great, fun episode. Uh, like I said, something I think everyone can enjoy, even if you're not a really huge Star Trek fan, like some of us are. Who is that? Me, I think. <laughs> anyway... The next clip, this one's a, a fairly long review from our father and son team of Rick and Nathan Moyer sending us their impressions and take on a piece of the action. So listen to Rick and Nathan. I'll be back in a few minutes. Hey, everybody at Trex and Sci-Fi. This is Rick. And this is Nathan. And this it's is the, the father, father and son, son review. review. Well, today we were excited to find out that you were reviewing a piece of the action the original Star Trek series, and we were excited about that because it's one of the most fun episodes without being overly corny. They still were very corny. Yeah, it was, but it was cool corny. Don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So what was some of your favorite parts of the episode, Nathan? Well, I really liked how Spock learned how to be a gangster through the whole thing. Yeah, Spock yeah. in the hood. Spock in the hood. Yeah. yeah. That was fun. How about Fizbin, the card game? That was kind of fun. Except for Tuesdays. Yeah, that's right. And, and at, at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I loved it how they were calling their weapons heaters. Just being dads and heaters. That was great. We need about 100 of those. That was awesome. How'd you like how Scotty's take on the whole thing when he was trying to understand the captain? Yes. Talk? <laughs> I think so, Captain. Yeah, You're not putting... <laughs> it was great. I'm putting the bag on your head now. <laughs> why would Now, why would you put a bag on it? And he goes, you dummy. Yeah. Anyway, how about... Um, what I thought was really interesting is how, like, a three-quarters through the episode, all of a sudden Kirk became an expert on talking like a gangster. He becomes an expert at everything halfway through the episode. That's true, because he's Kirk, <laughs> and Kirk can except figure for, that out. Except for driving a clutch. Oh, now it that... does not work. You know, that reminded me of when you... Shut up! When I was teaching you how to drive my truck, you drove just like Kirk. It was the first month. Okay, let's keep on going. Yeah, you almost ran into okay. things. What about the book? The book. Oh, the big white book, book, the big Bible, but it was, it was really, sort of brown. it was the gangster Bible. It was the 1920s thing on I'm gangsters. I'm surprised it didn't tell them to call guns guns instead of heaters. Yeah, but, well, no, it was all heaters, and yeah, yeah, that was crazy. Uh, let me see. How about, um, oh, interesting that they used this. Some, they had to show their force of power, so they stunned the entire city. That was, or the, or the, or the block around the the gangster's hideout. They never did that again. No, but that would have been a great technique to use in most of the shows. You just stun everybody. That yeah. would have been easier. Stun everybody, ask questions later. I think so, too. Oh, let's go to Celebrity, celebrity sightings. sightings. Okay, the little kid with the switchblade, his name was... Sheldon Collins. And uh, he's the one that turned... He was the one that actually introduced the, the uh, piece term... Piece of the action. Yeah, piece of the action. And we looked him up on, uh, on the internet and found out that he was in... The Andy Griffith Show and... And the Mod Squad. And other other things. And other shows, too. That was interesting. Uh, let me see. And uh, remember how they 
um, they also had gangsters, all the gangsters like Krakow and and all the other guys. They they we looked them up, and they had huge careers in TV. Lots of them were in Bonanza, Fantasy Island, The Love Boat. Uh, what, what what other ones like? Well, they were in Mannix and Hawaii Five O and a lot, bunch of other stuff. lots of other stuff. And so and a lot of them acted in all sorts of different things. So that was kind of cool to see all those guys. Um, I thought it was interesting too. Um, that they uh, they left their car outside. Remember, they left their car outside, and they 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 had a little kid run up on the stairs and and pretend like he got hurt, mm-hmm. and uh, and then when they came back out, guess what? Everything was still there. Still there with the keys in the car and their machine guns, and they drove off like you drive. I don't drive like that. You don't drive like that anymore. You did it first. <laughs> Don't okay, the, what about this? What about this? The MacGyver this? moment. Oh, yes, this was awesome. We thought Kirk was going to use the old phone in the room as like an electronic device, but no, what does he do? He makes a tripwire with the transistor inside. That's right. That was pretty cool. And then not only did he make a tripwire, but he disabled two of the guards, stole their machine gun, and stormed the castle. <laughs> That's Kirk for you. Yeah, that's right. I'm surprised he didn't rip off his shirt at the same time. That's well, that they should have. But you notice that this episode, he never kissed a girl. Well, he had that one girl come up and give him a back massage. That's right. The mobster's lady yeah. came up and kind of massaged his shoulders. I think that's all he wanted from that episode. There. I think so too. He had the guns. He was okay. Uh, yeah, that's right. It was a gun episode, wasn't it? Well, anyway, we really liked the humor in this episode. The writing was fun. It was great to see Spock kind of come out of his shell in a logical sort of way. Yeah. So that was fun. And I don't know. I just thought it was a good episode. What do you think? Um, I, I would give it like probably four out of five or maybe more. It, it was a really good one. Yeah, I, I, I too. I, even though it was kind of corny, it was kind of a good relief. It had science fiction elements, and it was kind of cool to see that. It was a typical, you know, the the whole uh, planet had changed because somebody had intervened and, and messed up the prime directive. But, Captain, what will happen when we come back every year to get piece of the action. Yeah, I like that. That was good. That was excellent. All right, so I'll give it a four stars as well out of five. And that's the Father and Son Review. You should have said that. Father and Son Review. (laughs) Jeez. Thanks, Rico. Thanks, guys. Always great to hear uh, from uh, Rick and Nathan uh, and their take on a piece of the action. Kind of surprised you guys didn't talk about Vic Tabak, uh, the Mel from, Mel from Mel's Diner and Alice and all that uh, for the celebrity sighting section of your uh, review. But anyway, uh, good stuff. Thanks a lot, guys. Really appreciate those. I'm going to take a very, very short break, come back, and talk about a collectible. Hey Rico, it's Kenny from California, also known as Star Trek Fanatic 5 on the forums, and I'm also the moderator on the forums. I wanted to invite all your listeners to come check out the forum. The forums is a great place to get the latest sci-fi and fantasy news. We also discuss the latest movies, TV shows, gaming, books, collectibles, and comic books. And there's a special section for Star Trek and Star Wars. The forums are fun and informative. Here's a few comments from other members of the forum. This is Jeff. Jedi Jeff on the forums. I'd like to say how much I enjoy the Treks and Sci-Fi forums. The forum members post on a lot of great sci-fi topics. I enjoy the different forum areas, with collecting being my favorite. The Treks and Sci-Fi forums make the podcast more enjoyable for me. I encourage other listeners to join and participate. This is Dukin or Sam, if you've heard me on the podcast. And I like them because I'm a geek. And being a geek... I get picked on, even beat up, 
called names, and I don't like that. It's not very fun at all. I mean, everyone's gone through that. But at the Treks and Sci-Fi forums, we could do anything. We could talk about Star Trek, Star Wars, games, movies, everything, Battlestar Galactica, heroes. Um, have a great time on those forums. Uh, catch you later. Peace. Well, thanks, Kenny and everyone, for uh, your uh, take and uh talk about the Treks and Sci-Fi forums, which can be, of course, found at the main website, treksf.com, or just go to treksinsci-fi.com. Check out the forums. Got a lot of good people on there, a lot of fun, and we've got the RPG game still going, so check that out when you get a chance. Okay, the collectible I'm going to talk about is uh, nothing to do with uh, Star Trek or Star Wars this week. Something a little different, I thought, uh, I would talk about uh, I've got uh, a, uh, it's a small scale model uh, built up, everything comes this way, uh, it's of the helicopter Airwolf. I was a big uh, follower of the TV show Airwolf uh, starring Jan Michael Vincent as Stringfellow Hawk. Uh, I just thought that was a really cool show, kind of ridiculous a lot of times, but I loved the uh, the helicopter on the show and the music and just a lot of fun to watch. Uh, a couple, I think the first two seasons are out on DVD now. There is a uh, company from Japan called Aoshima. I think that's how you say it. A-O-S-H-I-M-A. That has done a couple of versions of the Airwolf copter uh, in a small sort of die-cast model form. It's a 148 scale uh, model of the Airwolf, and it's really nice. It's probably about maybe 10 inches long, approximately, it comes fully assembled, fully painted. Well, actually, it's not quite fully assembled. you got to pop on the uh, the main helicopter blade uh, propeller. But uh, it also takes batteries, and the helicopter spins. There's a little light that flashes on it. Uh, it's pretty cool. The version I have is what's called the weathered version, which is sort of more of a black than a blue painted airwolf. But it's got all the uh, the look of it with the white underneath and the guns on it and all the cool airwolf gadgetry that were on the helicopter that you saw in the helicopter on the TV show is on this little scale model. You can find these on eBay. They usually go for around $100, give or take, depending on uh, where you get them from. Some of them are shipped from over, overseas from Japan. I actually got this off a, uh, a friend, a fellow member on the Replica Prop Forum uh, who had an extra one and was selling it, so I got a pretty nice deal there. Thanks uh, if you're listening. <laughs> anyway, Airwolf, if you're a fan of the show, this is a very cool collectible, so check it out. I've got some pictures up, which will be on the podcast notes and in the collection gallery. You can check out Airwolf there, the Diescale uh, Aoshima 148 scale model. Check it out. Well, folks, that's going to wrap things up for this week's episode of Treks in Sci-Fi. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed the look at a classic, another classic Star Trek TOS-type episode, a piece of the action. Thanks again to the comments that were sent in. I really uh, always great to get uh, people to call in. Oh, speaking of that, you can always call the voicemail line at 206-88-TREKS and leave a comment there. It'll probably make it on the show. Always, uh, also, the other way to do it is to uh, record your own MP3 file. That's the preferred format, and email it to me at treksf at gmail.com. I've got a, uh, there'll be a Wednesday, definitely be a Wednesday show this week. I did a little interview yesterday over Skype with uh, somebody that's running a, uh, he runs a collectible uh, buying place uh, called KM Collect. Uh, give you a little preview there. 
He's also a member on the forums, and uh, I did a little discussion with him about that, and we've got a little discount code we're going to give out for uh, buying prop replicas and other things he sells on his website. So look for that coming out this Wednesday. And next uh, weekend, of course, I'll be back with a regular show. Probably be a Deep Space Nine episode. Got to settle on that. Uh, I'm going to look at a few things today. Look for that post it up on the main website when i uh when i decide which one i'm going to cover so until next week everyone have a great week i hope the weather is getting nicer and more spring-like wherever you're at and thanks for listening downloading and i always appreciate that and check out the podcast notes always looking for comments there thanks everyone talk to you again soon bye-bye This has been a Rick Dosty podcast production. You said don't talk fast, and that's how you show excitement. All right, talk a little little faster. Okay. This has been a Rick Dosty podcast production. This podcast, copyright 2007, all rights reserved.